0: Peace and love y'all uh, Welcome to the show It's called uh, Change the Grind I have a guest here with me Steve Gentzer Ex-baseball player Cleveland Indians And you also played for
1: American football Overseas in Europe In the EuroLeague uh, With, uh, with uh, France The Lyon Scorpions Paris Rangers Versailles Comorones uh, played also uh, in, in Germany for the um, Lanshu Dragons, um, Erding Bulls, Eurochamp Kiel Baltic Hurricanes. Played in Italy for Torino, uh, um Also played in Denmark for the Herning Hawks. Yeah, at, in the Euro League, once known as the World League, but now changed over to the Euro League but now each country's got their own professional league within itself um, and they sign uh, two Americans per team and one European per team and it's um, about division two level comparative in America to division two level college level right now so that's a pretty high level and um, it's pretty competitive and it's very marketable. A lot of um, a lot of uh, guys who get released from the NFL or the CFL Canadian Football League or who don't get drafted uh, out of college here in America look for a place to play and um, they're, they're trying to get picked up to go overseas and play in Europe in the Europe League which is uh, really has taken off because of the um, satellite the technology of of uh, the satellite bringing in NFL games, collegiate games since the 80s, and uh, a lot of American, famous American coaches have gone over there, and the game is just totally taken off. In France, for example, they had a high school, and on one field they put a soccer game, was which in Europe you, they call it football. That's why. You gotta say American football so they know the difference. In America they call it soccer. But in Europe they call it football or soccer. But anyway they put a soccer game on one field and an American football game on the other field. <clears throat> and they had the high school students out of Paris come and watch the games. And they were all watching the soccer game at first. But Then 80% of them converted over and watched the American football game and stayed there. And they interviewed him at the end of the the games and they said, well, why did you change over from watching the soccer game and go to the American football side? And they said, well, we found that the American football was more attractive than the soccer was. And it was more watch." By the women than the men. It had more uh, more more women fans than men. Women were more like, in France. They call it the Super Chick game. <laughs> in American football, they call it Super Chick, because uh, a lot of women are, and, and, and young women and just women in general really packed the stands. Of course, with men and everything and with with with. Uh, Males, you know, but it's it's uh females really go crazy for it. So it's pretty popular. But um yeah, I played uh uh my best years were in Lancher Dragons and with the Keel Baltic Hurricanes and in uh in Italy. But I also played baseball for uh, the top team in Europe called Rotterdam Neptunus which comes and runs out of Holland or the, Den- the Netherlands and it's an amazing organization and it's uh, comparative to about AAA in America the level in Holland is professional, it's the Dutch Major League and they also got the Italian Major League too the German Major League, the French Major League, it's all professional now in Europe it's a uh, highly competitive and it's not an easy walk and um Uh, With the Indians, uh, I was originally an outfielder converted over to pitcher uh, because I had a strong arm. And um, so uh, Indians converted me over to a reliever, but I kind of got hurt. I hurt my elbow, and um, they let me go. But a San Francisco Giants scout, after I kind of rested my elbow, I had some surgery. They cleaned it out. Uh, score tissue and everything San Francisco Giants got named Mike Toomey who Became a legend and is known today as one of the top men in professional baseball. He ended his career as general manager over the Kansas City Royals and in 2015 with his trading and mobility of moving players around he put together that 215 team that won the World Series and um, he's the one, when he was with the San Francisco Giants, just starting out with a scout. He had contacts in Europe, and he said, I can get you a contract with a team called Neptunis in the Dutch Major League. I can put you, I get you a contract with the San Francisco Giants, spring training contract, but I can get you, you got a live arm, and you're a good hitter, and you got speed, and they want their pitchers to hit. And you can do that, so... I'm going to give you a contact to call a guy who's played there before, talk with him, and then make a decision, let me know in three or four days, and the owner of the team will call you up. So I called up Stevie Donovan, who was a legend in Europe, and led Neptunus to the championship, a left-hand pitcher, and um, I talked with Stevie, and he told me, man, you gotta go, it's incredible. The Dutch people are crazy for Americans, Um, you love the life, man. It's, it's great. He says, if you don't do well, I'll send you home real quick, but it's an incredible experience, man. You can make a career overseas in Europe. I said, okay, man. So my parents were against it. They said, no, man, don't go to Holland, man. Don't, you know, don't, don't do that. Just stay in America and get a job, you know, and, you know, think about your future. So I said, no, I don't know. I could maybe have a career overseas in Europe, you know. And So I said to myself, yeah, I'm going. So I called back Mike Toomey and said, yeah, I'm going. I'm I'm willing to go. He says, all right, I'll have the owner call you up. A couple days later, the owner called up, spoke broken English, (laughs) offered me the contract. (laughs) Next thing I know, I was on KLM, Dutch, Dutch Airlines. I was in Rotterdam, Holland. It was like New York City, Rotterdam, beautiful city. Took me to the stadium, introduced me to the team and to the the board of members and everything. And um, they gave me an apartment for free, a car for free, a Porsche, and he gave me the option of living in my own apartment for free or living with him in a mansion. So I went to his mansion. Met his wife, and I said, you know what, man, this this is, I'm going to take living with the president, living in this mansion, over to your apartment, because this was incredible. There was a, a Mr. Belvedere who brought your food and everything, so I said, I'm staying with the owner. You, you know? said you met a Mr. Belvedere? <laughs> yeah, man. That's funny. <laughs> I think Fine. I would have took that option, too. <laughs> I would have took the option, yeah. So, I stayed cool. with him. and uh, he. There was a lot of pressure, though, playing with Neptunus because the the press, was. it was similar to playing with the New York Yankees. If you don't produce right away, uh, the public and the fans get on your case and really start bringing it down. So the pressure and everything was was overwhelming. But, um, you know, I did perform, uh, uh, but I didn't have a great year, but I had a good year. And um, at the end of the year, I had gotten calls from all different countries wanting me to play for them. Because if you play for them, as an American, all the other countries... No, hey, this guy must be good. So they offer you, like, well, what are you making with an opportunist? We can maybe give you more. You know, so you weigh out your, you become your own agent, and you weigh out your options where the better deal is, you know. And I want to be in a city that I'm comfortable in. So um, a city called, uh, in Paris, called saint Prix called me up. In a city called Sarcelle, a suburb outside of Paris. So, Sarcelle called up and offered me a pretty good deal and um, for an outfielder and his relief pitcher. So, I said, Man, Paris, you know, I'm, I, I, Rotterdam's cool, but I, I'd love to go to Paris. But then I got a phone call from Milan, Italy, and they offered me a pretty good amount of money. So I said, uh, my cousin, 1979, played for Bologna. I called him up, Michael Grasso. I said, hey, Michael, what's it like playing in Italy? And he said, it's incredible, man. If you get an offer to go to Italy, go over all the other countries. Go to Milan, man. That's the fashion capital of the world. It's 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 incredible. He says, the Italians are hospitable. They'll treat you like gold. If you do well, they'll give you the key to the city. I said, so, Bruno Bertani called me up, broken English again. <laughs> Next thing I know, I was on a flight called Air Italia. They picked me up at the airport. The girls picked me up. There were like six beautiful girls picked me up with a couple guys. I was sold, man. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I was in. And um, the news media, the paparazzi, and everything, they were interviewing me, and I was kind of overwhelmed by everything. But, um, you know, I was in there and my uh, the first game I pitched was against Rimini. I lost uh, 4-2 to to an ex-major leaguer named Rick Waits, who was a left-hander who pitched in the major leagues for the Cleveland Indians. Mm. And um, I pitched well for seven and two-thirds of an inning, and I got good reviews. And that was important because I found out that if I didn't pitch good that game, they were sending me back home. <laughs> So, that <laughs> I didn't first know, game? <laughs> yeah, I didn't know that, but that's how it works. Wow. Yeah, uh, At times the the uh, deep. they that's got perfect. the money where they can release you and pick up another player real quick. Wow. Um, so, um, so I pitched for Milan for for that season. Uh, I got involved with a girl. Uh, her name was Ruffella Milione. She was a model for Chanel, and um, kind of started a relationship with her. So I tried to stay in Italy, but Milan wouldn't re-sign me the following year. But what happened was, um, Sarcel called me back up, and I went and signed with them, and as a model, she did all modeling in Paris because Paris and Milan are your two fashion capitals of the world. So Paris, origi- Chanel originated from Chanel. Chanel originated from Paris. Um, I forgot her name, but Carl Lagerfeld, you heard of him, right? No, I haven't. I oh. haven't
0: been like into like fashion. So yeah, he's any- the, he
1: was the head. He passed away, but he was the head Chanel guy. Okay. Yeah. So I, I was close to, I was in contact with her. When she would come to Paris, she would contact me, and she would come watch me play, and I would get to see her. And um, so I'm playing for Sarcelles, and I heard about American football. And so when the baseball season was done, you leave your apartment, and they send you back to America, and if they want to resign, you what okay. But I was involved with this girl, so I said... I want to stay in Europe, so maybe I could jump over to American football, get another <laughs> apartment, and I'd well, you'll be very- able to continue to be with her. So they tried me out uh, in Paris with a scout, um, and they clocked me in a forty. They had me run. They had me run some pass patterns. So I was a receiver in junior college, and quarterback and wide receiver and running back, and he put a top DB on me from Paris, and I just blew him away. And I got a phone call from a city in the south of France called Lyon. And the name of the team was called Lyon Scorpions, and the owner called me up named Antoine Menina, and he made me an offer, and I said, cool, I'll go. So I, they flew me from Paris to Lyon, and um, head coach and staff was from the Canadian Football League, and I broke loose, man. I just led South of France in touchdowns. Um, they were not familiar with me because I wasn't coming from a Division One college background like most players who play overseas in Europe or ex-collegiate Division One, Division Two players who were stars at their school. I was an unknown baseball player being converted over to American football so I would get DBs covering me who ran like four sevens, four sixes and I'm running a four three four eight uh, four three four four three eight forty and a four 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 five so I'm just running and they put go patterns, fly patterns for me, and I would just bypass them. And I had a quarterback who was able to get the ball to me for 50, 60 yards, and I was scoring touchdowns. I was getting double coverage, triple coverage, just outrunning the secondary. And I made a, maintenance, a big name for myself in Europe. And a head coach named Mike Wyatt, who coached at Oklahoma Panhandle University in America, also coached in Arena League, coached in Italy and became a legend in Europe as one of the best American coaches in Europe and also as a scout and bringing players from America to Europe. And he said, Steve, um, there's a team in Denmark called the Herning Hawks who want a quarterback. And I know you can throw. I know you're not a pure quarterback. I know you don't have too much experience, but they want to make you a running quarterback, build their offense around you. And I recommended you there, and I, and I think it's a good deal for you. So I said, well, you sure? Because I made a name for myself as a wide receiver. He says, yeah, I know, but I think you can make the conversion over the quarterback. <laughs> so I went to Denmark, and um, problem was, I got no offensive line that's very good. So I'm kind of running for my life. But I had some good wide receivers, some good Danish wide receivers um, who um, could catch and uh, could run routes. But I wasn't a good route passer. I was a long ball thrower. I had a good arm from baseball from being a center fielder outfielder. So I can throw the ball 60, 65 yards. And um, so when I was scrambling around when this offensive line wasn't blocking for me, I was doing a lot of scrambling And the cornerbacks and the defensive backs would leave the receiver and come up and try to tackle me. And I said to the receivers, once those DBs leave you, man, break off and float deep, and I'll get the ball to you. And that's what was happening. I was making a big name for myself, long ball thrown, long passes, long bombs, scoring touchdowns. And I was having a field that I was averaging, I averaged 7.5 yards a carry as a quarterback, And I made a big name for myself as a running quarterback. Got a phone call at the end of the season from Lanschut, Germany. They wanted me to play receiver. They had a good quarterback named Bill Howe from Arizona, quarterback at Central Western Junior College, Arizona. They brought him over. And... He got the ball to me the first year in 95, and we, we just were an awesome combination together. But the second year, he got a big offer from Milan, the Milan Rhinos, I believe it was. And he left Lanshut, and they were going to get another quarterback with the one of the board members of the team. So let's put Stevie at quarterback, because he's got a touch on the ball, a ball of German receivers, didn't like Hal so much because he fired everything a lot of American quarterbacks who come over to Europe they're they, they, they fired or used to used to throw to certain spots that receivers on routes would be at and they would throw to that spot but I had a touch the German receivers said and Bill I had a touch on my ball and the receivers liked me you know what I mean they said well we like Steve we you don't have to get another American quarterback, and man, I, I had a field day running and throwing. I had some African American receivers from Germany, but they were from different countries. I don't know what countries they were from. They could they could run just as good as American receivers. They could run four five four four forties, and um, we teamed up and just made a field day. And we finished second in the division, and I had a great year of of running with the ball. They would put a spy out on me, what they call, the defense would call a spy, who would follow me around everywhere I went. And once I got into the secondary, I would just blow by people. And I would get into the end zone, when I got into the end zone, the spy would be right behind me, and I'd say to him, hey man, you were just that much away from me, man. (coughs) That much, <laughs> yeah, you know? and here you go crazy. I said you just missed me by that much, man. You know, so uh, oh, you know, I, I had a feel that I, I had a great year, and I was also in Germany. There was a professional baseball team in Landshut, and I met him at a nightclub. One of the uh, the presidents of the team, the president of the team, and I said, "Look, man," I said, "I played pro ball in the Mountain leagues with the Cleveland Indians." I said, "You know." Uh, is it, let me come out for your team, because it was a, a chance for me to make ex- extra money. She said, no, you didn't play for the Cleveland and I said, I got a letter here, man, <laughs> my official contract. So I give it to him, and he reads it, and he goes, no, I don't believe it. He, he says, why don't you come out to one of my practices? I said, sure. So I come to the practice. They put their best pitcher out on mound, and I just jacked them all over the place, just hitting home run after home run. So I, so he said, "Well, we'll take them out." I said, "Yeah, no problem." I took them out, and just started firing away, blowing away these these German batters, and he said, "You're in. We'll we'll give you the money. We play weekend games." I said, "Well, look, I can only play on Sunday." He said, "Well, because I play football, we play Friday and Saturday." So he said, uh, "Well, we play double headers." So I made a deal with the contract, what I was going to get, and um, so we play our first game on Sunday. And I hit uh, two home runs. And it's in paper. I go to football training that night, Tuesday night. The owner of the football team comes up to me and goes, What's this, man? You're playing baseball? He says, I brought you over here to play football, not baseball. He says, you can't play baseball. You're here for football. I said, I'm playing, to make extra money. He says, no, no, man. He says, you play baseball. I'm sending you home. This is one or the other. So I was making more money with the football. So I was, a little, I was a little president of the baseball team. I said, I can't I can't do it, you know? So, um...
0: Let me ask you a question. Did
1: you sign any contracts prior to that, though? No, it was straight cash with the German... <coughs> hey. Okay. I got straight cash. Uh, no contract. Just They just gave me straight cash. On both ends, though? Yeah, even with the... I signed a contract with the, with the football, football team. team, so.
0: Okay, so they basically owned you. Yeah, they. Not they I ain't gonna say owned you, but you had to answer to them. I had to answer them, so okay. I,
1: had to, I had to take that contract because I, I, I adhered to it wow. in the beginning. But um, I ended up playing uh, basketball also <clears throat> in '89 in for Holland. Almost. Played in a professional league in Italy for Milan. Holland's, my coach in Holland, uh, loved me. And he said, Stevie, I think maybe I can get you a deal to make money, a lot of money in Italy in their pro league. We'd start out with $850,000 a year. He says, I'm going to write you a letter of recommendation. I'm going to call a guy. You go down there. And you put on a showcase, that's something where you try out, like they give you a personal trial, and they watch you and everything. So um I went down there, gave the letter and everything, and he says, Okay. He says, Well, come on, we're gonna we're gonna put you out there and we're gonna ask you to do some things. I had an incredible workout session. I was a three-point specialist, was my my killer, you know, that's what made me famous in, in Holland. Mm. I was killing everything from three. <clears throat> and my idol was Pistol Pete Marriage when I was young. And I grew myself after Pistol Pete and I hold the record for high school for most points scored in a Forest City basketball game with, with forty four points. And um so um
0: Can I end the Jaguar high school did Jackson you go to Jackson Jaguar, them?
1: correct. And, um, and, that's, that and that's, that's legit. That's in New Jersey? That's in New Jersey, okay. yeah. Jackson Memorial High School. Oh, cool. And um, the owner of the team came up to me and he said, Steve, he said, you're as best as our best Italian guard that we have. But he says, normally when we sign an American player, we sign an American center an African-American center from a top college or ex-pro. Kobe Bryant's father, Joe Jellybean Bryant, played in Italy. Bob McAdoo, former Buffalo Brave, great NBA player, played in Italy. He was a big Danny Ferry from Duke, played in Italy. Um, So he said, like I said, you're, you're our best, you're the best one of the best, you'd be our best Italian guard that we could have. But he says, we're going to use that. We signed two Americans for a team, we're going to use that other American opening for a center, not a guard. I so said, cool. He said, hey, I, I appreciate you coming down. He says, maybe I can get you a Series C contract, which is a pro contract. They have Series A, Series B, and Series C. I said, yeah, that, you know, that's something I'd be interested in. So, you know, he made a couple phone calls and everything, but I said, you know, I really would like to head back to um, to France and um, or Germany and continue to play there, you know, because I got a phone call from the Kiel Baltic Hurricanes, the top pro team in Germany, and they offered me a pretty good contract. You know, I. I I'm thinking about staying with the football, you know. She said, well, let me know. So um, the offer that I got to play for Series C wasn't quite the amount of money that I was going to make with the Kill Baltic Hurricanes. So I went with the Kill Baltic Hurricanes, played with them. Then the following year in 99, um, got a phone call to play with the Hanoi Hawks out of Germany, and I went with them, got hurt, um, got two bulging discs in the back and 2 uh, two hundred-eight disc discs in the neck. I got speared. When I was already tackled, I got speared by a helmet. The guy came in with the helmet leading first, got me right in the neck. And so um, I was injured, and uh, they wanted to do surgery on me, but I, I didn't want it, so, they had released me, I had gone back home, following the year, I got a phone call from Torino, in Italy, the Torino Jaguar, and, um, I decided to take the contract, went over there, and, um, still involved with the girl, and, um, it was 39 years old at that time and I still had my speed but I was kind of breaking down and um I got hurt uh the bulging disc in my back were just pressing on my alt, my sciatic nerve in my left leg and causing me tremendous amounts of pain and um I had to kind of end my career in uh, that year. So they flew me back home. and I get a phone call in 2001 at 41 years old, from San Marino, TNS San Marino for the baseball team, which is the professional team. So I said, they called me up, chance to go see the girl. <laughs> <laughs> One more time, huh? One more time, uh, man. man. <laughs> I'm gonna He's take sl- the contract. <laughs> <laughs> but my 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 abilities were were pretty well gone. No, I couldn't run the same, couldn't hit the same, couldn't throw the same, and so I kinda struggled with Sam Marino. And they said, Look, Stevie, man, you're not the same ball player that you once were. Um we're not gonna send you home, we're gonna put you on a coaching staff. So you're cool to stay here, but uh, we're not going to use you anymore as a player. You're going to be used as a coach. I said, fine, I'm glad you're not sending me home, that you want to make me a coach. That's cool. So I ended my career with San Marino, Italy, and um, that was the end of it. I came back home, uh, got a job working with uh, Rossi's Construction Company, uh, demolition did uh, renovation in Brownstones in Manhattan, New York with Rossi's Construction Company. Did that for years and um, have been looking to get into, was looking to get back to Europe as an offensive coordinator but never quite got back into Europe. And uh, basically uh, the years have progressed now and Uh, I did get a call from Stetson University in Florida. I got highly recommended recommended by Coach Bill Hickey, who coached for Princeton, assistant coach for Notre Dame, Yale University. Uh, Now I was coaching at Boise, Boise State University in Idaho. And um, Stetson did uh, have me, uh, was negotiating with me if they had a guy who they had a choice, who was their first choice, and if he failed, they were going to bring me in as their quarterback coach. But um, they decided to stay with this guy that they chose their first choice, and they took him, and I didn't get it. And so right now I'm kind of stuck in the middle of, got my uh, applications out all over the country, and my I'm still looking to see if I can pick up with a, with a club, with a, with a college, and um, maybe get used in some fashion as a quarterback coach, offensive coordinator, a wide receiver coach. And also there's baseball coaching that I'm looking into because i got a great baseball career. Mike Toomey uh, has retired from baseball now. He's 69. He's working at the Matha in Maryland as a high school coach. He's from Maryland so he's gone from a top scout, top general manager. Now he's just back helping young people. I'm in, I'm in touch with him. In the meantime, I moved to um, Millsville from Mount Laurel, New Jersey, um, for financial reasons. Um, and in Millsville, um, it's where I want to be. It's a city type of a system. Uh, I get around, uh, I socialize with the people, Uh, of course the famous Mike Trouts from here, um, great baseball player, legendary baseball player, incredible baseball player, multi-talented individual, and um, I'm just having a wonderful time, and I met Change on the road, just walking. He came up to me, introduced himself to me, and I told him about my career, and he said, well, I'd like to do an interview with you. And I said, hey, man, it's cool. We can do it. And we're doing it now, live, man. And I'm just happy I've been able to share my experience with you guys. And uh, it's been quite a life, a quite a ride for me as an athlete. Um, I got a couple nephews uh, named Brandon Nutt, Johnny Nutt. Johnny Nutt was an outstanding pitcher. Had an outfielder until he was 14 years old. Had a major league arm. But got involved with heroin, and now is in jail in Bridgeton, New Jersey, and dying of liver, fourth stage liver cancer. But um, you know, I'm trying to go visit him and get to him and speak with him. But he was once an outstanding athlete, but unfortunately, heroin took over his life. Brandon Nutt was an excellent linebacker in school. Uh, Jeremy Nutt was went to Camden Catholic High School. All-state wrestler. Uh, Then I had a cousin named Johnny Hoffman, who played at Dominican, was a big-time forward. and Got hurt though, and had an of his career. Then I had Michael Grasso, who played overseas in Italy in 1979 for Bologna. So I come from, and the Detroit Tigers were very interested in my father. That's where I get a lot of my talents from my dad. It was in my DNA. Yeah, but he hurt his arm and never did sign with the Tigers and married my mother and everything and had me and all. But a lot of my talent comes from my dad, who was an incredible athlete. But it was in the family, and uh, you know it's there. And I like to thank God and Jesus Christ um, for giving me the ability. And all the credit, not and glory, go to him.
0: That was a, this is a wonderful story, man. I appreciate you sharing. You know, what I mean, your story here, and uh, I hope it reaches uh, some people out there. Mm-hmm. And it's cool to see see you like this. You know, what I mean, because to me, you got a lot of life still left in you. Thank you. You know, and you're you're very uh, you're a humble person. You know, I don't feel like you, you may not tell everybody who you are. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, I don't, you know, I could be wrong. I feel like you're a, a type of person that would just breeze through and walk through and you just keep that to yourself.
1: Correct. You know what I
0: mean? Yeah. You are somebody regardless of all that. But I'm sitting here, I'm amazed myself about all the qualities that you just jump through. I feel like you're one of them type of people. You wake up tomorrow and be like, hold up. This is what I want to do next. And you know what I mean? And you'll be doing it. Yeah, which is beautiful because you actually believe in yourself too yeah
1: you know I, I do mean? believe in myself I believe uh, Joe Namath once said former quarterback for the New York Jets after he won the um, Super Bowl they came and interviewed him and they um, spoke with him and he said you know what man he said without confidence you can't play football and without confidence you can't do nothing in life and confidence without confidence and believing in yourself um, you really can't do nothing because a lot of it is uh is mental and um it's mental toughness and also combined of course with physical uh ability and talent you must have that too but a lot of it is mental and and mental toughness and confidence and without confidence you can't do nothing in life you got to believe in yourself and if god believes in you man which he does then you should believe in you
0: that's that's positive good advice yeah. For the people, I got one more. I got a couple questions I would like to throw at you if you don't mind. Sure, man. Throw. Em. Uh, how about the Mike Trout record? We have to go through that okay. one before we Okay, well, we'll hit on
1: Trout. Yeah. <laughs> well, Mike Trout um, was clocked from home played from what I believe, according to Google, um, at three eight two and. I think that he did that in 2011, I'm not totally sure, but according to Google he did, he was clocked at 382, and I think he had the record, and in 1984 for Neptunus, I was clocked at 35 flat, and I didn't recognize this until I Googled it, that the the record that Trout had had, I had already broken in Holland but it wasn't recognized in America. Now, Brett Gardner of the New York Yankees went a 3-5, I think, this year or last year. And from now, I think the record is 3-5. So, I'm trying to say is that I had that record in Holland and in Europe when I played for Neptunus, and it's documented and it's in the books. And uh, Trout ran a 3 Somebody told me he ran a 3.53, so that, might, that was his best. I don't know. I didn't see that, but um, I did see 3.82 on a Google, and now he runs like a 3.9. He's a little older, and he's hurt, but um, even if he ran a 3.53, I still ran a 3.5 flat, and I had the record for, all, for a while.
0: And that's from where, though? You ran from where to where? I ran
1: for for Neptunus, Rotterdam, Neptunus, from home plate to first base in 3-5 flat. Okay. And um, well, Brett Gardner has run it for the New York Yankees in 3-5 flat also. And um, Trey Turner runs a 3-6 for the Washington Generals, but I believe he was traded over to some other organization. And... um, what I'm trying to say is I had that record in 84, and I didn't even know about it, that I had already broken the record here in America. So um, that's an amazing feat. I didn't think nothing about it until I went to the internet and and found out about it. That's cool. Looking back now. Looking back, I'm like, <laughs> hey, I had that record years ago. These guys got in America. I already broke years ago.
0: That's a cool feat. Yeah, seriously, that's a real cool feat. They didn't yeah. even know you was just probably out there playing, huh? Yeah, I was out
1: there just going through the Google, and I heard somebody talking about uh, the record. You know that Trout had it when it, in his rookie season, and you know I, I said, you know what, I had, uh, I called Neptunus up, and I said, you guys had clocked me at three five, I remember, and I had the record there. Can you write me a letter stating that I had run that? A documented letter. So I have proof of that and everything, and uh, I called Neptunus up, Franz von Allen, the owner and one of the biggest baseball men in Holland, Franz von Ehlen, uh the owner of Neptunus, and he said, sure, we'll uh, we'll have our public relations manager send you out a letter and we'll write a letter to you, and we'll send it out to you. And uh, you got proof from it, and they sent out the letter, and... I got it. I showed it to Shane, to change. He read it. I showed it to a lot of baseball people. And uh, it's, it's legit. I ran a 3-5 flat, man. And fact is fact, you know. Uh, that's, that's awesome. Reality.
0: That's awesome.
1: So that's it. And plus, I've been clocked at 4-4-40. Uh, an unofficial 4-3-8. And if you want to know the reason why I was able to play in five different countries, it's because my ticket was my speed speed kills and everybody wants speed and all those teams in Europe they contacted me for one reason it was because of my 40 time and uh, that was my ticket around the world and I used it my legs was my my ticket and God blessed me with speed and I I ran over all over the European continent
0: (laughs) that's that's cool for real for real
1: now I'm paying for it I got arthritis in my in my legs, but that's cool, I had an incredible career, and I got no regrets, and it was one hell of a ride, man, and I suggest any American athlete who, um, you know, uh, wants to continue that career, that there is a big career overseas in Europe, not just, you know, Yugoslavia now, uh, Russia, Ukraine, um, Czechoslovakia, uh, All over Europe, Sweden, um, sports is universal, uh, it's big time in Europe, and it's not easy to play there, if you don't do the job, you get sent home real quick, it's very marketable, there's thousands upon thousands of Americans looking to get over there, and they got scouts from Europe here in the States who are connected with American coaches from collegiate colleges and pro, pro teams, and, uh you know who're willing to send ex NFL players who get released and they're looking to continue to keep their career alive and they go overseas and play and um you know so it's it's there to do
0: that's cool is um is there anything else would you like to say for the listeners uh,
1: anybody out there um the women man, are in Europe are incredible I and mean, we got some great american women in america but there's nothing like a, a European women, man. They don't judge you based on money or, uh, or anything like that. They're into uh, personality and, and kindness and hospitality. And if you're a cool and sweet guy, you know, uh, you got a shout with some of the best-looking girls in the world. And, um, you know, I know American women are interested in money and what you can offer them, but uh, women in Holland, man, and in Italy and in Sweden and in Germany... They um they don't judge you by anything. They just looking if you're cool and nice and, and have a good personality and treat them with kindness and and love and you know you can German women, Italian women are fantastic the most beautiful women in the world that I've seen, I thought would be in France and they're beautiful in France, but Italian women, man, they are incredible, man. They're beautiful and they they treat you like gold if they like you man uh, they're more honorable and it's incredible man I had an incredible time in Europe and any American player who's played in Europe I've spoken with them, they'll tell you the same thing that I'm telling change, that it's an incredible experience and you can make a career a pro career overseas in Europe
0: that's cool that's that's really cool. I I would have never thought that because I've never traveled outside of United States. Yeah, I know. I know. People in no. America
1: think that America is you know um, the greatest country in the world. It could be, you know, but Europe. Um, once you go to Europe, uh, it's pretty cool. It's it's. Does homelessness prevail over there like it does
0: here? No. So you don't see people homeless over there at all.
1: Not really, they take care of um they take care of the people over in europe man they don't it's not like in america it's not there's not a big division of poor and rich like America has a big division of poor and rich in europe it's basically everybody's kind of on the same level it's kind of middle class there's there are rich, but there really isn't a great amount of poor um um, there's more of a socialistic system there um, but there is democracy too in Italy and Holland is a socialized Denmark is socialism, Sweden is socialism but um, you don't see that many homeless they do take care of the people there and you know it is it is, it is a great place to live Europe it's incredible you know I would Love to go... I have an Italian citizenship now. Mm. Um, Italy got me an Italian passport to quarterback their national team sometime in the 90s. And um, so they got me an Italian passport through my grandfather who was born in Italy. And if you have a parent or grandparent that was born in Italy, they can get you an Italian passport. Mm. So I have dual citizenship. That's cool. So, uh, you know, I was able to go over there and... um, and play as an Italian citizen, which opened the gate up because you're allowed two foreigners per team. So if they want to sign two Americans, uh, they can also sign me as an American because I have an Italian citizenship. So it's like having three Americans. So they sign a lot of Italian-American players uh-huh. over in Italy. They get them Italian passports. Okay. That's cool. Yeah, so you see a lot of teams stack with Italian-American players. That's
0: cool. <laughs> I, I feel like, um, like last time I was like watching sports. I feel like the world has like caught up.
1: Exactly. Like the level
0: of playing all across the world is like at the same. You know what I mean? We're watching like uh, the Dream Team or basketball, maybe back like in the eighties, opposed to the Dream Team now. Yeah. You know what I mean? A lot of foreign teams for me, like have caught up in the France basketball France play. did ups,
1: upset the uh, American team this year in the um Olympics. in the Olympics.
0: So yeah. yeah, they caught they caught up. A lot of them players too uh come to the United A States. A lot too. of the
1: Yugoslavians, Czechoslovakians, Italians. They got high, Germans. high IQs. They got some incredible uh, professional leagues, the basketball Ooh. leagues overseas in Europe, man. I could imagine. Those guys come over here at six foot ten, seven foot, and into the three pointer. And D- Dirk
0: Nowitzki. Mean, yeah, man, you heard Dirk whiskey before, right? Yeah. You know, what I mean, so I'm pretty sure, like some of them guys just come right over and fit right in.
1: They fit right in, and and even colleges and universities are bringing Europeans over to play for them.
0: I think they do it in the draft now too, like uh when they draft people they have like so many foreigners that they draft now in the uh United States exactly. as well too, I think. So yeah. they incorporate that in.
1: Yeah, it's definitely um it's big time. Sports is big time overseas in Europe, man. It's um, there's a whole big playing field and uh it's not like how it used to be America dominated. Now the whole world is Leveled out. Leveled out. I think so too. I think that's a. I think that's a
0: great thing because it's like everybody caught up. Yeah. yeah. You know,
1: in in, in in Europe, I was told by a Sweden scientist that they told me that in America, you guys are seventeen and eighteen years old. When a, when a when a when an athlete, a male athlete, reaches seventeen or eighteen, that they think that he's peaked at that time, and that if he don't get a scholarship or a pro contract. That he's done but we found out that in in Europe and in Sweden that your the body doesn't peak until 31 or 32 to 36 years old Mm. so our best sprinters in Sweden are 32 years old and Linford Christie of Great Britain was 36 years old when he won the gold medal for Great Britain and some of the best sprinters in the world yes they are American but are coming from Sweden, Germany, Russia, uh, uh, some of other, some, some other, the other European countries. And their Rangers are 28, 29, 30 years old. And for me, my best speed years are from 29 to 36 years old. My hmm. best times.
0: Wow. So um, You can relate to that.
1: Yeah, I do believe that America does make a mistake when they write off uh, you at 18 years old um when in, in Europe they 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 don't write you off they they keep you there and they let you develop and you do develop through weightlifting programs through strong nutrition programs and um just, just the the training is so high tech now in Europe that it is in America high tech too but the Germans were very uh I worked out with a lot of German weightlifters you know and they taught me a lot of a lot of stuff you know to improve my jumping ability my vertical jump my off speed my first step I learned a lot from Denmark weightlifters and bodybuilders and um, yeah it was it was incredible man I hung out in the gym with these guys and my game improved and uh, just just for an example just jump roping will increase quickness of feet, just jump roping itself. And you know, I wasn't taught that until I got to Europe about jump roping, you know, and, and uh, incredible, so I got into jump roping until I was able to go 500 skips without stopping. It mm. did increase my quickness of speed. Mm. And in football, your first step off the line is, is basically it, how you get, come off the line. You gotta have that first quick step. <clears throat> but I was known in America to have a quick step in basketball. And so, um, you know, I improved on it and uh, I learned from doing squats. Squats is one of the best exercises you can do for the, for the, for the body to improve your, your strength in the lower half of your body. And for a pitcher, you get a lot of power from your legs and you take the pressure off of your arm if you can build your legs up. And the great Nolan Ryan and the great Roger Clemens, they swear by weightlifting for the legs and and squats. And uh, I really was got into weight training in Europe and in America. You know, I was told for baseball players that weight training tightens up the body and all of this. And got into Europe and they taught me how to stretch and my game totally improved from weightlifting. And I suggest to any young person. 13, 14 years old to get on a program of weight training start, you know, and get a trainer and build yourself up and you don't have to worry about getting tight muscles and all of this stuff that theory has been been proven wrong that if you learn how to stretch and you add weightlifting into your program your game definitely will improve Okay, that's cool
0: What, what would you recommend for somebody who's old as I am?
1: <laughs> well I Or a, anything Yeah I mean, would suggest like that to you, Enhance you, the you, muscles You would definitely start um, First by getting into, involved with uh, With walking You don't need to basically run um, Even though uh, I know you're still a young man But um, uh, Getting involved in a weight training program At light weights And high repetition with the Nautilus machines that they have today, and the Cybex and all the machinery, the technology they have um, you don't have to be a big, get involved with big lifting heavy weights but, but I do suggest working with free weights um, Benching is probably the best exercise you can do for the body with the squats the benching, start out lightweight and build yourself up, you know, and just do high repetition Benching get involved with benching and Ab work. I learned a lot about ab work and I worked out and trained in Paris, France With an owner who taught me how to work out with a medicine ball You just lie down and you get a partner and you tie your feet and ankles together you get the medicine ball you throw to him he goes back he throws to you, you go back, and the muscles and the abs are coming up with the medicine ball, and it was one of the toughest workouts I ever had, but the best workout I ever had training was with the medicine ball, tying ankles with a rope with a, with a partner, and working out with the medicine ball.
0: So let me ask you this, do your Oh, uh, I'm sorry, I've never seen this before. Uh, the phone turned red. It says it's going to time out after 60 minutes. Oh, okay. Cool. <laughs> no, I'm not being looked You can look at yourself. I never, I think this is my longest interview. Cool.
1: <laughs> well, just, cool, man. I, I, break it down. And, yeah. You, know, you could break it down and simplify it into, you know, something like, 20 yeah, minutes
0: or something like that. I think it'll all take, but it's just um, it's about to be over in sixty minutes. Cool. It says. Yeah,
1: we got it. we got a lot in
0: there. Yeah, I appreciate it. And it always is a round two, an invite for round two later on yeah. this year. You know yeah, what I mean? Uh, or we schedule one. Yeah, really but I enjoyed it. this one though, man. Good, this I'm made my day, for
1: real, for real. This made my, my day, Shane. Yeah. I really
0: appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, I was looking forward to this for like the longest after I seen you. I was like like excited. Yeah. So was, I'm still, well, I still I excited.
1: Was I okay?
0: Man, you were good. You good. I mean, I feel like you took all the pressure off me. Cooler. <laughs> Cooler. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Cool, but, I'm, I'm happy. But, well, what well, uh, it's been a nice, warm welcoming to our guest Steve Jensen at the Change Griot show. Did I say your name, your last name right? Yeah, correct. Okay, Jenter, got you. Yeah. you know, I feel like you have a lot to offer a lot of people out there. You know, I still you got a lot of life left in you. You'll yeah. be a great coach. I can see you doing that. I mean, I can see you doing anything but coaching, like to teach somebody yeah, it's, it's pointers to and stuff like too. that. I think you If you stay at it You still seem like You have all your connects And good people around you So Yeah
1: That's
0: great That you stayed in contact With people Yeah I got
1: Coach Hickey In Boise And he's working for me And I got um, Stetson University And uh, Still you know I'm on a board for them So maybe Something next year Might pop up But uh, There's high schools And uh, You know um, Lord willing We'll see where uh, God is the one Who opens and closes doors And and we'll see where the next uh, the next journey uh, presents itself.
0: Yeah, but wherever it takes you, you have some extraordinary journey. So, oh, man, <laughs> <laughs> so mild, bro. Yeah, you know. But so. you could bring
1: in here other American players who's played overseas in Europe, and they, they got their own story to tell you, and it would be just as exciting. What is okay?
0: I enjoyed this uh, dialogue, though, man. I appreciate you coming out to my show, man. Cool, Thank man. you, man. Appreciate it. My pleasure, chief. Yeah, likewise, man. It's been nice.
1: Okay.